Welcome everybody, this is the Naked Truth Catch-Up and you are listening to myself, Nick and Jan. Hello. And Stan and Heath. Hi there guys. And what we're going to be doing in this little podcast is we are just going to kind of recap and uh, go through some of the, the questions, the pertinent questions that were asked um, quite briefly. Um, obviously Stan's got this uploaded, you can listen to the whole Preach the Naked Truth, which we're going to definitely encourage everyone yes. to do. But we've got a couple questions that we're going to just shoot through uh, and kind of dive into the depths of them. So I hope you guys all enjoy it, eh? So should we should we dive into it, babes? Yes, just a heads up that if you do want to catch the preachers, they're all on our GC Conversations podcast channel. Um, each week is loaded. We had five weeks of incredible topics. And um, if you weren't in the room, people got to ask anonymous questions. And so we didn't have time to get through them all. And so this is now the catch up. So one of this, this first question we're going to begin is actually quite interesting because it forms the base of a lot of the other questions that come out of it. And so Stan and Heath, are sex and gender the same thing? Well, historically they were. But in today's society, gender has become a social construct, whereas sex has become biological. And um, so people are differentiating between your biological sex and what you identify as or what you think you are in terms of male or female. And uh, it's become a massive political uh, debate around these things and lots of questions. But I think the question is this, is how does the Bible frame these things? And, um, and in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, it says God created them male and female. Uh, he didn't, he created males and he created females and uh, so I think and then the, the scriptures continue to bleed out of that into male and female there, there were always in history those that were, were thought that they were different it's not that that's a new thing but I think biblically God categorizes us male and female on our biology not as our social construct because I think the social contracts construct changes over time and um, and changes over eras and hundreds of years of of, of talking and now you in the space where you you it's you don't even know what to call somebody is it he or she or them, them or and they. they and it's kind us of and we. us mm-hmm. it's 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 and and I certainly don't want to mock any of the that reality but but th- that's the, the world in which things that you thought meant this doesn't mean that anymore. Historically, a word went that and it doesn't mean that anymore. So, but to me, the biblical understanding is there's males and there's females. And there's a certain way that those males and females relate to one another and uh, sexually and socially and all those sorts of things. Great. Mm. Fantastic. I mean, I think what's really tough these days um, as a Christian, as a spiritual believing Christian, it's difficult to hold to the biblical truths when you've got the world coming at you and kind of combating those beliefs mm. so violently, actually. So every yeah. conversation you have, you are um, you interrogated and challenged yeah. every time you yeah, say something. Yeah. So you feel yeah. like you have to be so careful when you describe yeah. and talk about exactly. these things yeah. instead of actually just being front-footed. And yes. um, So I don't know, maybe you can even touch on some good tips on how do you have great conversations like this with people that yeah. don't believe the same way we yeah. believe. Yeah. Mm. And I think, Nick, that is absolutely key because I think the, 
a conversation that believes in males and females now is seen as bigoted, small, old school, um, narrow-minded thinking, whereas the world is kind of now emancipated into this kind of new way of thinking where it's blended and it's, and it's fluid and all these sorts of things. The question is this, is to know what you believe and to continue to love that those love those that don't believe the same oh, as you. That's key. Mm. I think the key is how do you how how do you come across with this is what I believe Jesus would say, but also continue to love like Jesus would love, mm-hmm. because Jesus loved everybody without judgment and without mm-hmm. reservation. And so, how do you disagree with somebody but still continue to love? And yeah. when they disagree mm-hmm. with you, and maybe even get nasty in the conversation, how do you continue to keep loving, mm-hmm. not take offense, be secure in who you are more than ever before? The church needs to be secure in who we are, mm-hmm. in our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Not in our sexual identity, but in our identity of Christ and who we are in Christ and be able to minister from that place into people. Mm-hmm. That, and it's the sexual... Uh, the sexual debate is not the only debate. Mm. It's across the board. How do you live in this world and continue to love like Jesus loved? Living for the best of another. That's my definition of love. People are going to get sick and tired of hearing. Live for the best of another. Mm. Is this conversation for their best? Am mm. I loving? Am I living for their best? Living in the conviction of Jesus? Living for the best of Jesus in this moment? And living for the best of another in this moment? Is loving God and loving yeah. people? Mm. Yeah, I think that's so key. Just be, I think you you mentioned it um, uh, just a couple of days ago at the men's event where it was um, spiritual maturity brings along emotional security, not the other way around. Yeah, I think being able to have a conversation with someone who completely disagrees with you and not letting your emotions take over and yeah. feel threatened or but actually choosing to love yeah. in that moment allows you to be able to have these tough mm. conversations where you can still disagree yes. and have a coffee with the person afterwards and be friends. Mm. I very think that's good. very very, very key. Good. Um, but we can go down a whole train about yeah. that. But, um, you know, one of the other questions that is quite interesting that was asked is, well, what happens if you have a friend who believes being gay is not wrong? They are gay themselves. Yeah. They mm. might even be in a gay relationship. Yes. Um, so how, how but, they, but they also believe in Jesus. Mm. They, they believe that they are saved. They believe that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So they, and they are even involved in a church. How, what type of conversations do you have with someone like that? Um, and how do you how do, and they even choose to love God and praise Him, but don't think being gay is wrong. Mm. How does that conversation happen? Maybe even particularly in the realms of a church context, how how do you have that conversation with someone like who believes in that, mm. or is who is actually living that out? Mm. Yeah, I think I think one of the the big problems with the, with the LGBTQ conversation in the life of the church. And I, I said this in the in the talks that we gave, and I belaboured this point in the talks that we gave, is that being gay is not the ultimate wrong thing you can do in God. Uh-huh. So my question would be: So how would you treat this person that's gay? The, the reason why it carries so much weight now is because it's got political weight. There's a political spirit behind that. There's a there's a weighted uh, uh, there's a social constructed authority that has been given to that conversation that doesn't have to be there my question would be this how would you treat somebody that was addicted to pornography you know they are addicted to pornography how would you treat them you know somebody that is committing adultery in a marriage relationship in a marriage relationship and you know that they are committing adultery right now 
how would you approach them how would you have mm -hmm. the conversation how would we have the conversation with anybody that is doing something that is not in accord with what Jesus would say yeah is the question the, and the way that you would do that is that they would feel your love before they feel your words mm -hmm. they'd feel your sense of value to who they are and what they're called to be in God before you try to describe whether their behavior is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think what we've done is we've made this the thing, instead of knowing that's one of the things that actually is, that is in the conversation around us, how do you live for their best? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the way that you live for their best is speaking the truth in love. We grow up into all things, the scriptures yeah. say. Mm -hmm. But speaking the truth in love, not speaking the truth. Mm. and it's not being so loving that you don't get to speak the truth because that's not Jesus love mm. so in all of these things how do they feel your acceptance and embrace without feeling your judgment but how do you get to eventually speak the truth mm. in love yeah and I think that is that is the conversation with all of us like you can't be your you if somebody I mean I've heard some stuff as a pastor where you think you've heard the worst thing that anybody in the planet could come up with until you speak to this person and you think oh my gosh how could any human being face that be involved with that and you've got to kind of put your poker face on you know mm. not that your draw drop yeah now listen <laughs> we, we're not we we here to 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 embrace the love of god for all people and to let truth do its work only truth sets people free mm. only truth is what engages only truth leads to repentance only truth leads to prolonged behavior mm. only the knowledge of who God is which is the truth of who God is mm. and yeah. the truth of who they are needs to so so how do you put truth and love together in any conversation in the church is to me the bigger issue because I think we're not good at it. I think we are very quick to judge mm. and the areas that we judge the the most in are the areas that the, we think we strongest in <laughs> so we have this judgment against people and then when people, or, or even maybe areas that we battle with, because they're just worse than what we are, so we kind of put judgment in there. So it's actually just, I think, the question is, how do we love people like Jesus would love? Jesus loved this prostitute. He, Jesus loved this woman that was married to five men, and the woman that she was living with is not her husband. Yeah, knowing full right, mm -hmm. knowing, knowing full that right as well. that that's wrong. He, he, yeah. he, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't laboring her with truth. The thing that she came away with and told all her friends was, I cannot believe this guy. I think he's the Messiah. And the reason why they, she thinks he's the Messiah is he knew everything about me, and but he didn't judge me, me. Yeah. and he loved me. Mm. Imagine if you knew everything about the person, like Jesus had that, yeah. up, but you continue to shower her yeah. with yeah. value and love. So key. Absolutely. I think one of the most amazing things about Jesus is that he is the most incredible bridge builder. Amen. I think if we could learn from him and build bridges into people's lives, um, I can't remember who said it. Somebody okay. said that unless the bridge is strong enough to hold the truth, you can't speak into someone's life. Very so unless you have built a relationship or um, a friendship with the person where you can speak the truth into their life, and the bridge is strong enough to hold that truth, yeah. mm. then, then you can't be speaking to them about the truth. Mm. So, and I think particularly, I actually had a conversation with somebody um, just a week ago, and she has somebody in her family who has chosen this lifestyle. And she was just talking about the difficulty in her family, now she has children, and how does she deal with it? And 
you know, some of the choices she's made. And um, we were just speaking about how um, how much people in that lifestyle are outcast, mm-hmm. how much they're judged, particularly in our country, maybe in other countries where it's, it's celebrated more and more freed yeah. and whatever, but particularly in this country where they are judged, how isolated, how condemned they feel in so many aspects of society. Yeah. Culturally, it's still, Culturally it's still almost frowned upon in mo- most sort of environments. And I said, and how dreadful that actually the place where they should be feeling love is from somebody who's supposed to be representing Jesus. Actually, they're not. So sort of surely if Jesus is the best bridge builder I've ever seen ever, surely we should be doing the same. We should be building a bridge Mm. in that environment. It's really good. Um, So it's not easy and it's not always the, the easy sort of avenue to take. Um, but yeah, I mean, our son is in an environment at school where they have people who are, you know, professing to be that way inclined or whatever. And, and he was asking the question, how do I respond? How, you know, how do I treat? And I said, with love, because actually how, how would you like to be treated if, if somebody, um, found out something about you and how would you like to be treated Mm. if you had a something wrong with you or you know so yeah it's it's just a difficult thing but I think actually if we have to be a bridge builder like Jesus and build a bridge with that person that when you get an opportunity to speak truth they know that what you're saying comes out of your mouth out of a place of love Mm. not out of a place of of judgment yeah 1 Corinthians 13 finishes with saying love conquers all yeah the message bible says um and at the end of the day love wins yeah and so actually how do we how do we um, reap a harvest of, you know, reap a harvest? How do we, how do we navigate sinful behavior? And it is through love because mm. if people can feel love, they'll be vulnerable and that bridge will be built. Mm. Mm. I mean, the, the classic example of this is Rosaria, Ros, Rosaria Butterfield. So she was, uh, she's written a couple of books. If you just Google, Google her, you can download her books and, and, but she was, she was an open, um, an openly uh, lesbian gay activist and a pastor mm. invited her to supper over a, a length of time a, 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 just sitting around this man's table wow. over a length of time experience his love his invitation mm. his acceptance completely changed her perspective on it and now she's the saved activist for Jesus mm. And um, but it's again. It took this man to invite her to her home. It was a it was a reformed Presbyterian pastor that invited her to him and had dinner with her week after week after week after week. And it was not their theological conversations that won her over. It was his love that won her over. Amazing. So I think these are the these are the the things that are key yeah. for us as a as a community. Absolutely. I think also those are all kind of actionable things that people are doing i think i'm not saying you can't do this but it's it's very rare that you're going to argue someone out of something that they've really made their mind out exactly. of. and arguments don't create friends exactly. they destroy friendships yes. and if we go down back to the basics of well if if you truly believe that we are all made in the image of christ and you got to treat someone like yeah. they are the image of jesus um then that will help us navigate these questions um, I think maybe just to, to close this up, Stan, um, something that, is, that happens often and is a pertinent thing in, in yeah. a lot of churches and a lot of environments, but it's particularly now 
in a church environment how do you navigate how does one um if if i'm if how does one navigate um same-sex attractiveness uh, in a they in a Christian environment, but a born, as a born again believer, if that's something that they struggle with, how do they actually tackle that? Yeah, Nick, very 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 good question, and I think I think that is becoming a more and more real reality, where you have people in the in the life of the the community that are same sex attracted, they they know that it is not right, and they want to follow Jesus, so. And the Bible, as I said in the teaching, the Bible gives two options for that. Either, either, and some people have experienced this, they have this wrestle, same-sex attraction, but, then they, but they're able, they've got the grace to get married and have kids, and, but they still wrestle. That's still, when they're in a weak place, that's, a, that's the place where the enemy gets them. So that's the one way that it, it, it kind of can, they can get through life. Or the Bible says you've got to stay single. Because you, you haven't got the grace to get married. Now that is a very difficult thing to say to somebody that wants to be with somebody. Mm. But again, it's, it's, we've got to either be so following Jesus or we've got to be and following his word or not. And so what do we do? How do we help people that are same-sex yeah. attracted? And one of the things that I said in the, in the talks is that we need to once again highly value the, the realm of singleness. Because if people are that, they, it means that they could stay single for the rest of their lives. Yeah. But does that mean that their, their, their value in God and their inheritance in Christ and their commission in God and all that they're called to do is limited? No, it doesn't. Because marriage is not the ultimate and singleness the penultimate yeah. or the, the second rate. So part of it is, is we've got to really value single people and single people that will never get married. It's not... There will be no marriage in heaven, the Bible talks about. So it's like it's they're, they're ahead of yeah. the game, going to heaven. You know? so, so that's one of the things is that you value, value single people. But I think on the journey, there's got to be a space for people to talk. Yeah. Um, because I think, I think connected to many of these things, as I've been talking in the last few weeks, is this thing called shame. And under secrecy, silence, and judgment, it, it thrives. So... If people are feeling like that and they're feeling shame because of it and they don't get to openly talk about it, and I would say particularly to those in authority in the church, it's literally going to grow their shame rather than stop their shame. So I think there needs to be a, a, a space where people can talk and journey and, and be open with that, that, about that without yes. being judged. Mm. And I think that's the big thing, without judgment. And I would, I would see a church that is mature and living in unity able to do that. They're able to have a conversation <coughs> with somebody that is open, openly LGBTQ, homosexual, gay, and they would experience their love and acceptance without accepting their, the truth of where they're at. Mm. To people that are in the life of the church that are same-sex attracted, they're about to talk these things through and live a fruitful life in, the, in Christ, either as a married person or as a single person. And, and live free. Yeah. And live completely free in that space. And, and know this, actually I can't get married because I, I don't have an attraction for a woman. Mm. But actually I, I'm putting Jesus over my sexuality. I'm putting Jesus ahead of that. And so I'm, those are the heroes of the church. Mm. I mean, really. Yeah. So to me, if we're able to talk about these things, if we're able to elevate singleness, if we're able to 
to, to show people that this is not the end of the road for them. If they're living like this, it would be an incredible place for the church to be in. No judgment, embrace, acceptance, but the truth of God reigning over everything supreme. Yeah. I think there's some really good nuggets there. One of the things that really comes out of the, the base of most of the answers is, can, are we able to have tough conversations with each other, people that are, that are saved and people that aren't, and, and still walk away uh, knowing that that person has been loved, accepted, uh, don't, don't necessarily need to accept what they are doing, but accept them as a person, as if they mm. are made in the image of Jesus which they are mm. so yeah I think that's that's a wrap from, from this side guys thanks for listening please dive onto the socials and the website to grab the podcast on the naked truth if you want to hear this in more detail there's a lot of information there and continue to have the conversations guys talk amongst yourselves uh, talk amongst your home groups uh, your friends over coffee the, we need to have these conversations yeah we just tackled three questions today but we'll tackle some more so stay tuned for um, episode two on the Naked Truth Catch-Up. Wonderful. Yeah. Bless you guys. Um, Wonderful guys. Well um, done. Cheers, man.